0: Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations with your
1: host, James Mclam All right, welcome, our audience, to the Gen Z Show brought to you by Generation Ziggler. I'm your host, James McLam, and I'm joined today with two of our Ziggler Youth Certified Trainers from New Mexico, we have Kenzie. How are you doing today, Kenzie?
2: I'm doing good today, James, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, what's the weather like out there?
2: You're not funny, it's <laughs> hot. no rain, again.
1: <laughs> and one of our favorite guest hosts, one of our favorite co-hosts that we've had on this, we keep calling her to come back because she adds so much, from Nebraska, the Corn Husker uh, Transplant. Abby, how are you doing, girl?
0: Oh, I'm doing great, James. I'm so happy to be back with you guys today.
1: And I appreciate you coming in uh, and serving with us. Today's guest is Rachel Kakey. And Rachel, I got to know Rachel through one of our uh, guests from the spring, Patty Hendrickson. But Rachel and I had connected through some other memes early in the history of Generation Ziggler. She has a long history of training youth leaders. Kizzy, tell us a little bit about who Rachel is.
2: Yeah, so Rachel Katie, she is from Northwest Missouri. She has an extensive background in agriculture, grew up in 4-H and FFA, um, and you know she took those strengths and talents that she learned in those organizations and now she's a professional coach She's a speaker and a facilitator, and she just has a great outlook on leadership and, you know, how we can use our strengths to serve other people.
1: I really like what she's going to share with us today. It's a little unique, different perspective on leadership than we've had from our previous guests. Abby, what is she sharing with us today that our audience can look forward to?
0: I think our conversation with Rachel today was pretty unique, Um, very different, like you said, compared to the rest of our conversations we've had throughout this series and this season. But I think the thing that I took away and the question she just kept saying over and over again is, is this my best yes? How can we go ahead and use our strengths and our talents and make sure that we're making the most value of our time and also making sure that we are using those talents to our abilities and using other people's talents to the best of their abilities. So just that concept of, is this my best yes is something that truly resonated with me throughout this entire conversation.
1: One of the things I really too liked about what Rachel brought to the conversation today and she's the first person that we've had that is a certified Gallup Strengths coach. And the Strengths Gallup Strengths Finder is a personality assessment, a self-assessment to help you identify what things that you have talent in. And she really has an understanding, a deep understanding and a passion of that, that I actually got some free coaching uh, that uh, through the thing here today. So... Uh, which is which is you know, fine you know. that's what that's what we do you know, here we, we get some free coaching so audience listen to us you're going to want to go into the show notes you're going to want to get the information about how to get in touch with Rachel so you can learn more about her and look into show notes too so you can find out how to do a strength assessment yourself that, that's in the show notes as well so without further ado let's go straight to our interview with Rachel Welcome to the Gen Z Show. Thank you for for joining us and being our guest today.
3: Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and just honored to be asked and get to speak to your audience.
1: Well, a friend of ours from our live calls that we did in the spring, Patty Hendrickson, really recommended that I reach out to you. And you and I have connected before several years ago. I think through LinkedIn, we started talking some when you were with Iowa.
3: Yes, that's correct. Yeah. When I got the email from you, I thought, well, this is not a foreign name to me, but it's been a while. So it it
1: has been a while. I think it was right at the beginning. So, Mm -hmm. but for many of our audience, our young members, you know, late teens to mid twenties, they may not be familiar with, with you and, and what you can bring to our call. So introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Oh, well, thanks. Um, yes, I am Rachel Keggy, and so I got my start here in uh, Missouri, uh, Central Missouri is where I grew up a little bitty town called Archie and have been exposed to leadership development and agriculture uh, from, from the womb and will be to the tomb. So uh, my mom has been an ag teacher pretty much all of my life and my dad was uh, heavily involved in the agriculture industry through agricultural sales and marketing uh, for a number of years and still does sales today. And so um leadership development and agriculture have just been uh, born and bred into me. And so I grew up an active member of 4-H and then later FFA and went on to serve as a state FFA officer, state FFA secretary here in Missouri, and um, really intended that my life was going to look, was going to be in a classroom teaching agricultural education and, um, just was always really interested in student leadership development. And so right after I finished my bachelor's degree at the University of Missouri, I went ahead and got my master's. I had met a boy at the time and he was going to get his MBA. And I thought, well, perfect. We'll just both uh, get our master's degrees done at the same time and uh, get that over with. And so in the middle of graduate school, we got married. I don't know if I recommend that, planning a wedding and doing grad (laughs) school at the same time, but it worked out okay for us. And um, then after graduation, we just decided he was going to really pursue his career with John Deere. He had had a lot of doors open through three internships there. And so we started moving. And um, I know a lot of your audience is familiar with FFA um, and agricultural education, and I knew in my heart I just didn't feel good about taking a teaching job, knowing with confidence we would probably never be in a town for more than a couple of years, at least at the beginning of his career. I just didn't feel right about giving students that experience, um, because I had seen, I was blessed with an ag teacher for the duration of my, my high school experience, but I had lots of friends that weren't, and I saw how that disrupted their experience, and so um, instead, I started looking for other opportunities, and when we landed in uh, the Des Moines, Iowa metro area, a position opened up um, with the FFA Enrichment Center there. Sorry, I'll try to give the more abbreviated version here, um, but that was in leadership development through their FFA Enrichment Center, and that just swung doors wide open for me to pursue helping other people um, recognize their own talents and potential and find ways to serve, not just within FFA, but I worked with lots of other youth and civic organizations, adult and corporate clients and coaching. And so that just really opened my eyes um, beyond what I had ever dreamed for myself in terms of um, my career. And so after... His position in Des Moines was starting to wrap up, and we were looking to move. We went out to Central Nebraska. We lived in Grand Island for a couple of years, and I launched uh, a business called Point One Development with a very dear friend of mine, Layla Haji Down. She's a former National FFA officer, so that might that name might sound a little
0: familiar to some folks.
3: And um, we are still dear friends today, but just our business uh, ideas for business took different directions, and so we ended up parting ways. About a year ago and I started my own coaching and consulting business branded under my own name and so I do a lot of leadership development one thing that also happened two years ago that I was sharing with you all before we started recording was that um, we had the opportunity to rejoin my my husband's family farm in northwest Missouri so just over two years ago he left John Deere and we moved um, to a little town called Maysville Missouri and nestled here in the hills of northwest the northwest of the show me state and uh, we farm here together and raise a couple of kiddos and um, I still do this coaching and consulting work um, in addition to, to raising cattle and beans and corn and wheat so here we are
1: so you, you were doing a lot of speaking and training and consulting yeah. how's that changed quite a bit in the last six months to, you know <laughs> since <laughs> since the spring of 2020
3: Yeah. Significantly. Um, I told several friends back in March and April that I felt like I was doing, uh, my job for the first time. Um, I was a complete Mm. newbie even after doing it for over a decade. And so lots of learning. I had already been doing some coaching virtually. So a lot of one-on-one or two-on-one chats, just like what we're doing today. Um, but not large scale or groups or teams. Um, And so I spent a lot of time investing in learning how to make this environment engaging for for conferences and um, was pleasantly surprised to find out, of course, it can't replace in person, but there's a lot of ways to really engage an audience well Um, virtually and there are some really really smart people creating lots of resources out there in the in the internet ether right now so um, it has been fun that's how I got to partner with Patty. we did we partnered up and did some virtual conference virtual training for state CTSO officers in Kansas and in Illinois and and who knows we'll see if that's gonna go anywhere further in the fall
1: when you're training those you're obviously you're training the leaders of different student organizations, career and technical student organizations, yes. um, and leadership really has evolved. I think in the last couple of decades to mm-hmm. to be really of a service focus. I will say I believe that good leaders always understood that to begin with, but mm-hmm. now we're actually focusing on teach that. So when you're instructing these young leaders in in a service-oriented leadership, what does that mean to you, and what what are the things that you're really, you know, going forward on them?
3: Yeah. Thanks for that question. Um, you know, I credit this and, and I know you mentioned that a lot of your audience is familiar with ag or FFA and 4-H. And so, um, the idea of living to serve won't be foreign, uh, to, to your folks, but I, that was really born into me and really stressed to me early, early, well before my 4-H and FFA career, um, that we are here to find ways to serve others. That probably also stems from my faith. Um, but I just believe that the best leaders aren't focused on themselves.
1: They're focused
3: on how to meet the needs of the people around them. Right. And so I believe that great leaders are, um, introspective in that they are self-aware, they know their strengths and weaknesses, but then they turn that perspective outwards and they're looking for the needs that they can meet with their talents and skills. Um, And they're noticing where those needs are and they're working to meet those needs. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to do everything on their own shoulders for the needs that they see, but they know how to um, align the needs with the resources. So that's kind of what I think. I just think that leaders really, um, the greatest leaders, the leaders that we remember have a heart for um, things bigger than themselves and meeting needs that they see beyond themselves.
1: You see sometimes when youths are coming to these leadership roles that they come to them, that there is a divide. Some come to them with the service aspect and some come to it from the aspect of, ooh, I get to have the title of a leader. Right. Uh, yeah. How do, you, how do you you know help them see the light on, on this?
3: Yeah, so that's um, one of the services I offer and I don't necessarily publish this. I'm not, it's, it's not something that I'm um, trying to create a market for necessarily, but there have been students that I've uh, connected with over the years that have come to me and said, I really wanna run for state office in whatever organization that is. Specifically, usually it's FFA, right? I really wanna be a state FFA officer. Um, Will you help coach me to help me get ready for interviews? And the first thing I always say is, um, I totally understand that desire to want to wear that blue jacket that has association on the back, right? Or that just has the emblem on the back. Um, And I would, and I had that opportunity, but we won't go anywhere in coaching or having this conversation unless you can tell me why you want to serve. Mm. Right. And so if we can't, if that answer that why we want to serve is all about our own resume or the doors that will open or the opportunities, which is all true, right? It isn't an an enormous uh, opportunity, but it also comes with responsibility. And so unless your heart is beyond yourself, right, I don't believe that um, you might get the opportunity, but will you go any farther with it? Will you really be there to serve the members or give back to the organization that has poured into you for that four years of your career of your you know high school career um and so i believe it starts with your heart and getting your heart in alignment with why you want to lead right leadership is um does open huge doors right and huge opportunities for us um when we step into those roles but if it's all about me people that you're serving, people that you're leading, pick up on that really, really quickly.
1: I bet these uh, young ladies can attest that they both serve as leaders in their various organizations as well. Does this sound familiar, you girls?
2: Oh, yeah, oh absolutely. Sure. And then it sounds familiar after, you know, after the years after you're done serving, of course, those there, there's those students that you were able to build relationships with that they wanna run for state office. And so I've heard a lot of those similar questions and answers and yeah, it kind of comes full circle. Right,
3: yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it will continue if you stay involved in the, in the organizations you've served in, um, that will continue to happen. And so I just am always always trying to direct students back to why do you wanna do this, right? It is totally okay to recognize that it can bring you some prestige, some open doors, some opportunities, some scholarships. But if that is your driving factor, um, then I think we've got bigger problems we need to talk through first.
2: Okay, so Rachel, I have a question for you, if that's okay, James. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I know that you're certified in the the StrengthsQuest Gallup, you know, certification test. Yeah. And so after I took that test, it as a state officer, it totally, like, Open my mind about like, yeah, I am good at that. Or yeah, that's not my strong suit. And this is what I need to bet, you know, work on. And so I think a lot of students can relate to that that have, you know, that want to know more about themselves and how they can serve better. And so how did discovering your strengths, you know, how did that help you or change how you interacted with people and how you behaved as an individual?
3: Yeah, that is an awesome question. Um, so that is something that I, I failed to mention was that when I was, when we were in Iowa, I had the opportunity to become a Gallup certified strengths coach and have continued on with that certification. And that's kind of the foundation for a lot of the coaching and consulting that I do with folks um, and what I really love to talk about. So thanks for the question. Um, <laughs> <was me> too. <laughs> when I, I recognize that, so I, that was my first exposure to strengths too, when I was a state FFA officer. And there were certain things at that time, there's, I want to go two different directions with this, if you don't mind, for just a moment. At that point in time, as an 18-year-old state FFA officer, I think I started to recognize um, that there are some things that I have been performing at to meet the expectations that people around me have. Like, I read the description and I thought, oh, this doesn't really feel true to me. This feels like who I felt like I need to be. Okay. So I think that one of the first powerful um, tools of of this assessment is that it helps us recognize Um, our true authentic self if we are trying to be self-aware, right? And then the second thing it did absolutely was help me to say, oh yeah, this is what I'm good at and what I love doing, right? And so here's the greatest potential that I have to bring to and offer the world and the team that I'm serving with, right? This is authentically who I am and how I can maximize my impact, right? And so one of my top five is responsibility. And that means when I am having a conversation Um, when I'm just in the world, my brain is constantly processing things, asking the question, what is mine to own? What I, what can I do? What can I offer here? Right. Mm -hmm. And then I basically like tattoo those things on my brain. Like, oh, I need to get this done. I need to get this done. I need to get this done. Right. And so taking the strengths assessment and then this evolution of, of understanding what that means for me, this is just my own personal, you know, vignette here Mm -hmm. is that. I started to recognize, I need to ask my question. I need to ask the question, is this my best? Yes. Right. So I could get this thing done, but is there someone else on my team that could do this even better than me because they have natural talent in that area? Right. So I don't have to own everything as, as a leader. Um, just putting my name on it to, because I feel like I'm supposed to, or it will get me in front of People isn't necessarily my best yes. Um, I will bring my best yes when it aligns with my talents and my strengths and my passions. Did that answer your question?
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Okay. Okay, great. For those who may not be familiar with strengths, because yeah. uh, there's so many now. You've got DISC, you've got Enneagram, yeah. you got strengths.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: those are three that Myers- come to mind Briggs. immediately. Yeah, Mars Briggs. Yeah. Why did I miss that one? That was like the biggie.
3: <laughs> sure. Um, so. Yes, the Gallup, the Gallup Strengths Assessment. Now they call it Clifton Strengths. You might have taken it and, and know it as Strengths Finder. Um, it is simply that it's a tool, right? And all of those are excellent tools. So I will say that I don't have a problem with any of those, right? If we're using them for increasing our self awareness and we're not just taking them to say, like, oh, this is a cool personalities test. I knew this thing about me. I'm an orange or, or whatever, right? Or I'm these four letters and I throw it in the drawer. Um, and the same thing can be true with, with strengths, and so it's only useful if you use it. For sure, it's only useful if you use it. So, what makes Clifton Strengths um, unique, or what what sets it apart from those others? They each have their place. Is that that assessment? Um, you go and you answer about 174 questions. They're like either or. You rank yourself. It's time. and at the end of that assessment, what it produces is your top five. Or you can get your full 34 ranked um, areas of natural talent potential. So it's a really well-researched tool. It's been highly scientifically validated, and it identifies those areas that you have the greatest potential in. And um, I believe that when we invest in, so we we kind of um, I think the tool can sometimes be a little misleading. The name of the tool, right, is StrengthsFinder or Clifton Strengths, but what it actually does is is name our talent potential. And then just like going to the gym and exercising a certain muscle, right? Those talents don't turn into strengths unless we invest in them. And so the tool simply helps us identify what are our areas of talent so that we can then start to invest in them and build those muscles. And so if we've only been focusing on one or two things, it's like, you've seen the bodybuilders that have like these huge chests and arms and then like little twig legs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So don't forget leg day. It gives us a a really full picture of everything that we can be investing in to really build our talents.
1: I'm looking at my strengths while, while we're talking here and so I can get a free counseling session here uh, as, as you guys (laughs) (laughs) going forward on these.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, once you found out your strengths, did you, how many times have you taken the, um,
3: Yeah, it's a great, that's a great question. Uh, And I get this pretty much every time I do a team session or a workshop or excuse me, one-on-one coaching about, you know, should I retake it? Right. And so I actually took it twice. I took it um, when I was a state officer. And then later in my college experience, I was a TA for personal leadership class Mm -hmm. and we took it again. And my results changed some, Uh, but Gallup actually just re-released a new research study on the validity of the test, And what they find is It's not uncommon to see some shifting in like your top 10 to 12, but that would be like your greatest area of talent potential. Um, But we really don't see a ton of change. So you might retake it. Have you retaken it before? Yes. Yeah. So did you see a a big change in your top five
2: at all? My top five, I had um, like one rotate out, but in my, my top 10, they were all the same. Right. So that's exactly what we often see. Right.
3: So when I just explained that it's really those areas that we focus on building into strengths that rise to the top, because we're, it's measuring potential, right. Mm -hmm. That, um, that we might see a little bit of shifting, but what we typically see is after the age. So I will say this because of your, the age average age of your audience here is um, that after about the age of 21 or 22, Neuroscience tells us that's when our personality is pretty well locked in, right? And so after that point in time, we see even less shuffling in our top 10 to 12. So you might see some things bubble up for you if you're taking it as a state officer, like I shared from my experience, that um, then when you get older, you're like, I don't know that I totally resonate with that. And so you see some shifts. So from my personal experience, when I was a state officer, I had Achiever in my top five. Mm -hmm. We see Achiever a ton with state FFA officers, Mm -hmm. right? Because You're driven, you've got a task list, you know the things that you need to get done to get to where you want to go, and so achiever kind of tends to rise to the top. And then as you become more of who you were created to be and you become more and more self-aware, maybe that falls lower in your list. Maybe it doesn't, maybe that is authentically you, but for me, it dropped down to kind of what I call my supporting talents, kind of the middle of the pack, um, because I was driven to achieve because I knew the path that I was being pushed along. Right. To get to where i wanted to go does that make sense for
2: sure
3: so i would say after the age of 21 or 22 we really don't need to take it again unless we've experienced some massive life crisis or trauma that we feel like has really changed who we are
0: okay wow. interesting so i guess um something that resonated with me probably the start of this strengths conversation was when you talk about is this my best yes mm-hmm. and managing expectations and we talked about like the two different kinds of leaders the leaders that are there to serve and the leaders that are there just for the glory and um growing up and especially in high school I constantly was surrounded by people who were there to serve and who were there and frequently had troubles with saying no and always wanting to fulfill expectations and things like that how do you encourage students to manage and navigate expectations when they feel they have to do one thing, but it might not really be their best Yes.
3: Oh man, Abby, thank you so much for bringing <laughs> us full circle. That is an awesome conversation and believe it or not this morning, so I'm a podcast junkie and this morning while I was getting ready, I was listening to a podcast from the Harvard Business Review and it was about when to say no, right? So this is something that I'm still learning in my own life with that responsibility talent theme hype, but I know it was a huge issue for not just me, but a lot of uh, my peers especially when I was your age and that for those of us that are high achievers that are used to excelling that will continue to be an issue if we don't kind of get our hands around it Um, because we want when we're especially as we're entering the career world or um, performing in college and getting you know being participating in all these different activities um, we want to be the yes person right we want to be that person that's seen as reliable that's the the one that gets stuff done the one that we can depend on right and so we want to say yes because we don't want to disappoint anyone in our lives or look like we're trying to shirk responsibility um or that we don't believe in ourselves right because we think that saying no projects a lack of confidence or a lack of ability but in fact, then what often happens, and you can kind of nod along with me if you like feel like this has happened to you, is that we've said yes to so many things that we get overwhelmed, our list gets too big, deadlines start slipping by because we can't get it all done, or we have to say no, we're forced to say no to an opportunity we really want to do because we've said yes to so many other things, and we don't feel like we can let any of those balls drop because we've already put our yes on them right? Okay. I saw some nodding and some some smiling, right? And so I think that there's probably a lot of people listening or watching that can identify with that as well. And so here's some things I would encourage you to do when you are hearing of that opportunity that you want to say yes to, or your first inclination is a yes, I want you to take a deep breath, right? Before anything comes out of your mouth, right? And you take a pause. And the first thing you ask is, is this mine to own? Okay, you say, can I do this? So you think about your actual time in your calendar. Can I actually get this done? Then you start asking questions of the person making the request, all right? So a lot of times we just take something on face value. I am super guilty of this, right? Yep, that sounds like an easy enough request. I think I can knock that out in an afternoon. And then we actually find out that their expectations or the project itself was so much bigger than we thought it was right? So we ask ourselves, is this mine to own? Can I do this with my time? Right. And then we start asking the other person some questions like, um, so the example I heard on that podcast this morning was he said, you know, someone asks for a paper clip. It seems like a, a simple enough request, right? I'm going to go find them a paper clap. but were they asking for a small one or a big one? Are they asking for one of those black binder clips? Right. So we just start asking some little questions to really get clarity around what they, what the ask is, and then the question I want you to ask, whether you've taken something like the Strengths Finder or not, is: Do my talents align with this request? And does it get me excited? Right. So sometimes we we need to do things um, because we've you know we're on a board or a committee and it's just part of the work. Right. It might not get us excited. <laughs> so that might just have to be a yes because we've already said yes to the the bigger commitment. But when it comes to taking things on our plate to own. Um, I think it's really important to say, does, am I the best person in the room to do this? Or do I know that my friend sitting across the table actually has way greater gifts in this area and I'm better off just sitting back and waiting for the opportunity that best suits my talents and strengths so that I can knock it out of the park and shine, not just for me, but for our group or for the good of the organization. Does that make sense? So that means that sometimes it has to be no, and then that's the next layer of the conversation is finding ways to say a graceful no, um, if an answer is required. So sometimes we, we think an answer is required because we're in a group and the question's lobbed out there. Maybe we just don't need to open our mouths. <laughs> but sometimes it's a direct request and we need to say, that is a great opportunity. I don't have time and space in my calendar right now, but I really hope that you are successful in these efforts. Or I don't think that I have the space for that, but I really appreciate you thinking of me. I think so-and-so would be awesome for this opportunity. Have you considered them? All right, so think about some graceful ways to, to say no.
1: We do the uh, DISC training at our leadership uh, training that we do for Gen Z. And when you were talking about folks having difficulty saying no, I was thinking about the S's uh, of the DISC personality are typically the group that has a harder time saying no because they really care about people and they feel like saying no is going to be an affront to them or they're letting them down or they're not, um, you know, they're, they're not supportive of them. Of course that S means supportive. That's one of the, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the adjectives to describe that. And those two both know that there is a person who is really integral to the, to Generation Ziegler's uh, success, who is, could be the poster child for S's you know? and all. And, it just has a very difficult time saying no so much so that I, I've gotten to the point now where I don't want to ask her help because sure. I know what her schedule is like. I know what she's doing. And I, and I don't want her to say yes to me. Uh, I, I mean, this person has literally gotten up before at 3 AM driven from, you know, Southern Texas up to Dallas just to be with me for three hours. Mm-hmm. Just because I said, Hey, are you available? And I, And they said, yes, I'm available. And then when they get up there and I find out what they did to get there, I'm like, you didn't tell me that. I would have said no. Do you see some of the strengths, uh, categories of of being some people are more difficult to say no than others?
3: Oh, absolutely. Right. And so a lot of it comes back to the motive. So people that are driven to execute. um, So so the 34 talent themes are oft, um, often also broken down into what we call four domains of leadership. So people could be driven by execution, um, mm. relationship building, influencing, or strategic thinking, right? And so we could think of those kind of buckets as terms of motivators.
1: And Those, those align perfectly with DISC.
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of alignment there. And so um, absolutely. When I, so my responsibility is an execution talent. So I think, oh, I can get that done. Right, so that's my motivating factor, but I also have harmony and I have um, woo. So I want people to like me, right? So people that have those strong influencing um, talents might say yes too often because they want to be the one that's in the influence, the position of influence, right? So they want people to like them or they want to push the ball forward uh, down the road faster. And so if they say, yes, they think we'll get it done quicker. Um, People that are driven by thinking might say, I want to own this because I want to be able to see how all the pieces fit together. Right. So I want to kind of have the time to think and work through this. Um, And then people with high relationship building themes also might just say, I want to build these connections through this opportunity or I don't want to let you down. So I'm going to say yes, because our relationship might depend upon it. So absolutely. I think we have to. um, I think it's really crucial for leaders to become self-aware now i i know i said early in our conversation that leadership is not about you it's about how you can serve others right it's about finding needs and meeting needs but if you are not being introspective and growing in your own self-awareness right then you're letting not only yourself down but others around you because if you're not recognizing it i still guarantee you someone else in the room is Right, that that There are people that know what you're good at and what you're not, even if you haven't spent the time to recognize and reflect on that. So, yes, I think that we have to think about what are our motivating factors. Why do we want to say yes here and then deal with that on the back end um, in our own hearts and minds.
1: Mm. We got some strong D's in this category as far as I say. Abby, you a D as well? I know Kinsey is. Kinsey and I are the poster children for these. Uh, <laughs> right. All right. Free counseling session for James here. My, my top one is belief. What does that say about me?
3: Yeah. So I share belief with you. It's also in my top five. So those of us with high belief are kind of driven by this core internal um, sense of values, right? We know what we believe and what we don't. So we tend to see the world in a little more um, black and white right? So this is a hard yes or a hard no. I absolutely believe this and you're going to have a hard time convincing me otherwise. It doesn't mean that we are closed-minded, right? But that we just really have this internal gut factor that um, checks in really quickly to help us make decisions. So to speak from personal experience again here, um, having belief in my top five has really driven the work that I care to do, right? So I love working with youth because I see the potential here. I wanna help you recognize your own potential and grow. Um, If I'm working, I'm probably going to say no to even something that might have a lot of dollars attached to it if I don't see the intrinsic, if I don't feel the intrinsic value of doing that work. Does this, I hope that makes some sense. So people with high belief- I got you, I'm with you there. Yeah, absolutely. So people with high belief, we tend to really clearly know what we value and, can't hardly believe that other people don't know their values right we just filter the whole we filter the world constantly through our value system and there are other people that haven't even checked in with that so I think I maybe mentioned that on my list before our call too in terms of thinking through um, and I spending it's important to spend time determining what we value because that drives our decisions whether we've consciously thought about it or not I saw a hand maybe oh sorry there was someone
0: at my door oh (laughs) <laughs>
1: no worries. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> uh, I'll list uh, one of the other ones here. I got uh, yeah. number two is a ranger.
3: Yeah. So people with high range Putting you on the
1: spot here. Now you're having to think all these and, and can That's I throw okay. them out there?
3: I love this. I could do this all day long. So people with high arranger, um, are really great at figuring out how to keep all of the balls in the air or another visualization we give is how to keep like a hundred ping pong balls under the water at the same time. Right. So we know how to arrange the work or arrange the people involved in the work to keep things to, to meet the objective, to keep things moving forward. Right. So, um, I hope that makes sense. So arrangers know how to connect the dots between people and tasks to get the work done.
1: This is also contribute? to the fact one of the things that I've always felt about myself is when it seems like it's a stressful situation or things just go awry, that's when I feel like I do my best work. Give me a situation where things are about to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm your guy. Call me. I can get it straight; it doesn't phase me at all. Does that relate to that, or is that another one?
3: Oh, I would say absolutely. Right. So there's other people in the room that maybe have high intellection, and so they need a lot more time to think and process to even know what they own, what they think, to check in with their own ideas and ask questions in their own brain. Where people with higher Ranger see those connections and can just go pretty quickly, going mm-hmm. to put people mm-hmm. in the right positions to still get the work done or, or resolve the crisis. I didn't think- also be influenced by your other top five too, but. That would get us into a whole, a whole com- coaching conversation.
2: I just, I'm jumping in. I think your job is so important or, you know, what you do and being able to explain these strengths. Because the first time I took this assessment, um, it was when I was a state officer the first time. So I actually served twice. Um, awesome. So the first time I was state vice president and I took it and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a psychopath. Like I'm a type <laughs> A. My strengths were um, the first time they were command, competition, strategic, futuristic, and achiever. Yeah. I, I'm just a a driven crazy person. <laughs> so, you know, I had someone, you know, like you that could break those down. And I think that's so important for students and adults and people who are taking this to say, okay, no, this is this is actually what it means. And so right. I think that's really cool that you get to do that and help people understand themselves and not be afraid of themselves. <laughs> Oh, thank you
3: so much. I love doing this work because like you said, I believe everyone is talented and everyone has potential. And so in my job, I get to help people maximize on that, right? Like recognize what they're great at and then run in their own lane instead of spending so, many, so much time and effort um, of their life trying to be who they think they're supposed to be or achieving goals that are um, not necessarily unfounded, but outside the realm of their talent if they haven't figured out how to harness their own talent toward that goal. So I love, I love doing this work. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I like these assessments. Any type of says, Enneagram, any of them, it's just yeah. because of the, the, the way you can reflect upon yourself, mm-hmm. and also the way that if you can understand these, that you can communicate better with other people. Um, part of the things that I think is, is so effective on disk is not really what I learn about myself, but more how I can identify who you are so I can speak to you the way that you want to be spoken to. Um, Yeah. And and I just sort of like, and do you see this too, that as we're training young leaders that we're not giving them enough time to reflect on these types of concepts that we're trying to give them strategies and techniques and Mm. build skills and not enough time really to reflect on themselves as much. 100%
3: I could not agree more I don't know if you saw me nodding my head like crazy over here but I absolutely believe that that's true and that's why um you know strengths was the the lane that I chose to run in because I really believe in this assessment but any of these assessments contain I think I said earlier like they're useful if you use them right? So it's a tool to help you recognize more about yourself and spend some time reflecting on what does this mean and how can I use this information to help me to be even more successful or be more of who I am made to be and desire to be in the world. And so if we don't allow ourselves and one another time to reflect on this and guys, it doesn't get any easier. Right. When you get out of college or out of the leadership positions you're in and into the workforce, and I'm not gonna say real world because you live in the real world, right? <laughs> but when you when you go into the next season of life, uh, when I work with people in their careers and work with teams within corporations, they a lot of people come kicking and screaming to my workshops from our coaching sessions because they don't have time to spend to, to reflect on this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But then, when they are forced to spend the time and then embrace that they have that time, right? It is incredible the potential we can unlock by just spending time reflecting on what is it that we have been given, or how have we been wired to serve the world, right? To serve our team, to serve our organizations, to work well with the people around us. And so, um, I think it's twofold. We have to invest the time. We have to create time for young leaders Um, for those of I I noticed in some of your earlier calls James that there are also advisors that listen into things like this and so we have to create the time for students or for adults to sit down and invest in themselves. And then the other part of that's really fun for me you alluded to this James is that it helps us recognize how to work best with others at our table and so Um, really the realm of strengths coaching that lights me up the most is doing this as a conversation within a team and helping us learn to appreciate one another and seeing barriers or previous conflicts kind of fall apart. Once we recognize why that conflict was starting, was it kind of a a misalignment of talent or not recognizing talent in other people? Because we do need one another. We have differences are an advantage. Um, and so we've got to be able to bring our very best and recognize the very best in others. Um, I use the analogy, it's kind of common in the strengths world, but that we want people, we want you as an individual to be a star, right? To be sharp and powerful in your areas of talent, but stars are not circles. And so um, we have to have other people to help fill those gaps for us. When we hear that notion of being well-rounded, I believe that when you are a young leader, like many of you are, like the other two on our call are, it's important to explore opportunities to take advantage of things that might expose us to um, new interests or fields or passions. But, and I, you know, I was raised saying being told go after this opportunity to help you be more well-rounded. There's nothing wrong with that when we're young, but when we then continue in that thinking that I can do all of the things and I can do them all excellently, we miss the opportunity to partner with others that can frankly just do other things better than we can and that we can do things better than they can. And so I really love working with a team that has spent time investing in and owning their own talents and then can learn to appreciate and leverage the talents of everyone else in the room.
1: Community, as you're listening, you know, each episode, I try to find a hashtag and we found it in that last statement, hashtag wired to serve. That's going to be the hashtag for this show right here, wired to serve. How are you wired to serve the world? Write that one down. Uh, that, Love that. That, that one's going to, that needs to trend, people. That needs to trend. Rachel, if our audience wanted to get in touch with you, learn more about you, find out how to connect with you, where do they go? How do they do this?
3: Sure. So I have a website. It's just my first and last name. com, is a great place to connect. Um, my email address is super simple. Um, Rachel at rachelkeggie.com. So that's a really direct way to reach me. Um, social media, you'll see, um, you'll be able to find me on Instagram at at my name or on Facebook, um, or on Twitter. You'll see a lot of my family there, a lot of our farm there. Um, Mm -hmm. when I get to go out and do speaking engagements, you'll see, you'll see that too. But, um, that's kind of a whole cross section of my life on social media, but I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you are interested in this kind of conversation, if you have your results and you wanna just do a quick call to unpack them a little farther, I would be more than happy to do that with you. So reach out. I would absolutely love to hear from your audience.
1: Audience, take advantage of that offer uh, as you go forward. Uh, Community, Uh, We want to make sure that you share this episode with your friends and subscribe to this channel so that we can bring you more of this content. Rachel, thank you for being our guest this week.
3: Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed
1: it. And to next week, our Generation Ziegler family and my guest host, we wish you well. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast out follow us too on instagram and facebook to get weekly updates until our next show have a blessed day